Church, would you take your Bible and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll be there in just a minute as an anchor verse for us this morning. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. I want to share with you a message entitled, Encourage One Another. As we talk about encouraging one another, I want us to see that this is not the only place in Scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5.11 that talks about encouraging. In fact, the New Testament is littered with places talking about encouraging, building up one another. In fact, we see all throughout the Bible, the Old Testament, God's very nature is speaking life into people and building people up, calling them to himself. And there's this call to encourage one another. But this verse that we're going to read in just a second, uh, verse 11, is, is not a standalone all by itself. It's in the context of, of Paul uh, teaching and writing to this church in Thessalonica. And he's talking to them about very real life stuff. It's not abstract. And he's saying at the, the beginning of that portion of the passage, hey, 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 when, when people fall asleep, he didn't mean like what people are tempted to do at the end of the sermon and on Sunday or something like that, when, when people pass away, when they cease to have breath in their lungs, when they die in this world, don't grieve like people who have no hope. And don't be like the rest of the world who sees no hope in, after death in this world. There is more hope than that. And so encourage one another with these words. Jesus is coming back. This life is short. The next life is long. We have an eternal purpose. Encourage each other. Build each other up with these words. Then he talks a little bit more and he says, you know, no man knows the day or the hour and, and talks about what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. He says, but encourage each other. And let's look at this verse together. First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. I find that interesting. Hey, I need to tell you, you need to do this. You're already doing it, but you need to do this. Have you ever had anybody who like points out the obvious in your life and and they say, hey, hey uh, you know, you should probably, you know, give, you know, three second lead of the car in front of you to have the safe distance. I was doing that. Well, I know. I just needed to tell you. I saw you doing it. It's important to tell you. It's kind of think, oh, who are you? Just tell me. I'm already doing this. I don't need to know this. Don't tell me again. But Paul is encouraging them to encourage. And right at the top, there's something we can see. That part of encouragement is saying, hey, hey, I've seen this in you. This is what you've done right. I want to tell you, keep doing what you've done right. Sometimes we assume that the people around us, when they stumble upon some kind of positive action or positive life uh, change, we just assume that they know it. He's speaking it into them. He's saying, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. As we look at this, teaching today on encouraging one another, I have a concern, as I do uh, many weeks, that will we catch why this is so important? This is not just, well, Chris, I'm talking about encouraging people today. Not talking about hell, so it must be a good sermon. So it can be a good day. We're going to be encouraged today. We're not talking about hell, so that's just great. Kind of a nice little talk. We go home and just feel all warm fuzzy. It's not just pleasant, though encouragement is pleasant. There's, there's a very powerful reason why this is so important. And, and the best way I know how to, to share this with you is to illustrate it with a, a gas can and a water jug. Now, whether you know it or not, you metaphorically, every day of your life, carry around a gas can and a water jug. You say, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah, you do. I've never known that. Well, I'm telling you now. You carry around a gas can 
than a water jug. Metaphorically, not these two things, but, but you carry it around with you all the time. And, and the reason this is so important is because you, it's not if you carry it or you should carry it or you should have one or not the other. You have them all the time. You need them both all the time. It's not, you know, one's good, one's bad. You have them all the time. But if you use one at the wrong time, you can destroy people. If you use the other at the right time, you can change someone's life for the better. So what are you talking about? Well, just, just imagine with me, you come across a friend who has lost their job. And when you see that they have lost their job, I mean, they are so discouraged, so discouraged. I mean, they are feeling insecure about themselves because they have been rejected. They are feeling apprehensive and fearful about their finances, of how they're going to provide for their physical needs. They feel all alone because in that moment, it just feels like they're the one who was let go. They're the one who doesn't have a job. It doesn't help them to quote stats at them. Well, you know, you're not alone. There's like 10% of the population. It doesn't help them. They feel all alone. And when you see that person, you can come up to them and there's, there's a little flame of discouragement. And you can choose, let's just start with the water, you can choose to take the water and you can stifle, you can smother, you can starve that flame of discouragement. You could just pour, I hope that lid's on there, you could just kind of pour all over that flame of discouragement by speaking words to them that would lift them up. You could say, you know what, I heard that you lost your job. I want you to know what I see in you. I see a valuable employee. And as I've been praying for you, not only that God would bring you a job, I've been praying for the place of employment that's going to be so lucky to have you to be a part of their team. If that's true, you can speak that to them. And I believe it's going to be not only a blessing for you, but a blessing for them. But as I've been praying for you, I want you to know this truth. God has not and will not ever leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's right there with you. And He loves you no matter what. You can just smother Put to death that flame of discouragement. Or you could grab the gas can to that person who lost their job and you can go, Hey, heard you lost your job. So what would you do to get fired? Or, Hey, would you like me to help you know how you could be more like effective and a better worker so you don't get fired again? Just dump that all over. That's a really encouraging thing to say. You know? And sometimes we do it, we, we try to have good intentions and we, we do it backhanded way. We say, hey, heard you lost your job. Let me tell you how I did some dumb things and lost my job too. So you're saying I did dumb things and lose my job? Maybe I was just let downsized. How do you know what's going on? Hey, I told you so. I mean, when you took that job with that company, I tried to tell you that they, they weren't a very strong company and that they'd be, be going out of business soon. And so, sorry, but told you so. You carry around gas and you carry around water with you all the time. And when you come across a flame of discouragement, you can choose to ignite it, accelerate that flame of, of discouragement, or you can smother it and put it out. But you also come across flames of potential encouragement. Your son or daughter comes home and they tell you after your thousands of dollars of investment in a quality college education which you fully intended that they would have a very good paying job, that, that they want to be an artist. And, and they don't care if they have to be a starving artist. They're just going to paint for the rest of their days. And you have a choice. You could say, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I cannot believe you would say something so stupid. You could say, you know what? I'm not sure how that would take place, but 
But with God, everything's possible. I could, I could see you doing great things. So you have a choice but between encouraging or discouraging. Oh, Brady, I'm a truth speaker. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I see it and just call it like it is. I, I, I just make Donald Trump look silly. I just, I call it out even more than he does. I'm just going to tell you what I'm thinking, whether it's good or not. I'm just going to tell you this. Well, I don't doubt that maybe you, but whether you like it or not, you carry gas, you carry water. And why this is so important today is because you have the ability to change lives and you're changing them now, either for the better or for the worse. And, and what really is on my heart is depicted in this video. So I want you to watch this video. This is why you have to listen because of this video. Watch this. There's no sound. Just watch what happens. This brilliant man decides to pour gasoline on an already lit fire. Don't try this at home. That's not a very good thing to do. And, and the, the fire goes all the way up the stream of, of gasoline. And he's trying to, to, you know, get it away from the fire. But everywhere he goes, he's lighting the whole yard on fire. And pretty soon here in a second, he, he just throws the can. The whole can explodes. It gets everywhere. There it is. Boom. It explodes. Thank you, guys. Here's what happens. Whether you like it or not, when you use the gasoline to ignite a negative, discouraging flame, or to fan the flame of something encouraging, it's impossible for it not to get all over you. You, you get all of what it is you're pouring out. It, it comes back on you. Even with the water, it'll backsplash on you. So when you're encouraging that brother who's lost his job, it's going to get all over you. You can't help but be encouraged. When you live a life of carelessly discouraging people, it's going to get all over you as well. So you have to see that there are powerful life and death words and actions that come from Paul's instructions here. Even just look at Ephesians 4, 9. It's on the screen. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. What if you and I just took that verse and let it do a quick audit on our words and actions today? I mean, just think about I don't know, the last 24 hours, the last seven days. What you've said, what you've done, what you've typed, what you've posted, what you've been silent about. Is it wholesome? Is it building anybody up? Is it blessing someone? Is it encouraging them? Or is it discouraging them? Okay, so that's why encouragement is important and we need to listen. There's some life and death things happening here. But I want us to look not just at the why, but, but the what. What is this? I'm also concerned that we may confuse biblical encouragement with some things that may be okay, but it's not exactly what we're talking about here in Scripture. Let's look at encouragement defined. Encouragement is the act of inspiring others with renewed courage, with renewed spirit, with renewed hope. It's this renewed courage, renewed spirit, renewed hope is what we're talking about when we talk about courage. And if we just take apart the the English word, the the prefix in, uh, to to put something into, to add to it, courage. And when we look at what, what courage means to us, it's this quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to to face difficulty, to face danger, to face pain bravely. That's what courage is. And so when you encourage somebody, in essence what we're saying is, I'm going to put in the ability, I'm going to add to you the ability to to withstand the pain, to withstand this this problem, to bravely enact it. That's what we talk about encouraging someone. To discourage is the same. That prefix dis, to negate, to take away your courage. My words, my actions can take away your ability to Bravely face the pain, the problem, the hurt. 
There's power here. But, but it's, it's even deeper. It's more than just this broad principle. This is true, but it's deeper than that in Scripture. Let's look at the New Testament use of this word. Often, the word uh, parakaleo is translated encouragement. There's a couple other ways it's translated, but often it's translated encouragement. And as we look at this para, meaning beside, near, alongside, kaleo, meaning to call or to summon, we see this connection with the word paraclete that we talk about, the one who comes alongside, the, the helper, the encourager. This language that we talk about, the Holy Spirit being the paraclete, the one who comes alongside us, who helps us, who encourages us, who spurs us on to have confidence in the Lord is what we're called to do, to be like the Holy Spirit, to speak life into people around us. It's, it's not just being kind or being civil or being a good citizen. There is a ministry of encouragement. There's a real ministry of encouragement. This ministry of encouragement, as I said, it's, it's not just being polite. There's a calling there. Biblical encouragement is a kind of expression that helps someone want to be a better Christian, even though life is rough. So it's not just saying, hey, I like your shoes, I like your hair, I like your shirt, you're you're a good person. It's saying, hey, with my words, I want to encourage you to, to take heart, to even desire to be a better Christian, to follow Christ more. Even when things are tough, you can press on. He is faithful. You can trust Him. See, this is at the heart of what Paul is all about. Paul had one important concern on his mind and his heart all throughout his ministry. It was to do all the good he could, whenever he could, to build up the body of Christ for the glory of God. Paul was an encourager. We talk about Barnabas being an encourager, and we're going to talk a little bit tonight. In fact, tonight, even if you're not a normal Sunday night attender, you may want to see if you can come back tonight. We're going to look at, some of you today, you're like, I can't encourage anybody. I'm so discouraged. We're going to look at what do you do when you have religious friends that just tear you apart. Job had some like that. We're going to look at that tonight. What do you do when these well-meaning, church-going people just fill you with nothing but negativity? And and David is is quoted with having to encourage in himself and the Lord. Sometimes we have to encourage ourselves and the Lord. We're going to look at that. And then Barnabas, the life of an encourager, his name had to change because he was known to be an encourager. Barnabas poured into Paul, and Paul's whole ministry was one to build up the church. So everything he did was to say, I want to help you people in Thessalonica, to be more like Christ. I want to encourage you. I want to lift you up. I want to give you hope and courage, a mindset to press through the pain, to press through the problems, to be more like Christ. That's what biblical encouragement is talking about. See, you are changing people's lives. Not if, you are. But the question is, are you changing them for the better or for the worse? When you live a life carelessly discouraging others, you may not even mean to, you just carelessly discourage others. You can't help but be discouraged yourself. That wonderfully brilliant man who poured gasoline on the campfire that made the top ten dumb list or whatever, it's it's getting all over him. You can't just walk around spewing discouragement to people. Some of us go, well, that's my personality. I can't help it that I'm so detailed. I just see everything that's wrong. That's my job to tell people. There's a way that we can speak. Even when I'm sharing something that is, that is of correction, can I speak in a way that builds them up towards Christ? And, and ask the question, is it my role to even bring correction? And is it my job to, to bring blessing to them? Statistics tell us that in the human mind, it takes they don't agree, but it's somewhere between 7 and 12 positives to replace a negative that we share. And so when I take in this word of 
of, of correction or this negative or this is wrong or this is things. Is there any putting into my mind of what is positive? Am I earning the right with that person? Now that's what psychology tells us and there's some value there. But God's word gives us even more leverage to see that we are to build each other up in Christ. Not only is it true that if, if you carelessly live a life of discouraging others, you can't help but be discouraged yourself. If you intentionally encourage others, guess what? You can't help but be encouraged. Church, as graciously as I can tell you this, I meet people all the time. They are so discouraged. Not all the time, but a good portion of the time. I want to say, I'm sorry you're feeling discouraged. What are you doing with your gas can and your your water jug? If you're just going around discouraging everybody, it's going to get all over you. It's going to come back up on you. It's going to splash on you. It's going to get all over the yard of your life. You're going to be known to be a discourager, and no wonder you're discouraged. It just gets all over you. But that's kind of a little bit of what it is. But I want to look now at, at the primary source or means of encouragement. Not the only way to encourage, but the primary, the way biblically what this is supposed to be rooted in. The primary means that God has provided for us for mutual encouragement is the truth of his word. Don't miss this. I put the references down there. I'm going to read these passages of scripture to you. I want you to hear this. Ephesians 4.15. Speak the truth in love and will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, to build the body of Christ. Speak the truth in love. We need the truth. I don't build the body of Christ up by just saying false pleasantries. I don't just make up something and, and just say it to you, Saul. Well, I, I need to speak God's truth into your life. That's the best way for me to build you up. And when I do that, I'm creating life. Titus 1.9 says, He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine. Now, this is, this is interesting. Some of us are in the pattern of not hanging on to, to the message. We let it get watered down, and that's a problem because we can't encourage people with the truth. Others, we want to hang on to the message so strong, strong doctrine, but it's anything other than to encourage someone. It's to smack them around with it. But we hang on, and, and we don't change from the message of Christ because it can speak encouragement to someone. So this is, this is a part of what biblical encouragement is about. 2 Timothy 4.12 says, preach the word or teach the word or give the word, proclaim the word, be prepared in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, and encourage. It's to, to bring encouragement to the body through the word of God. We're going to look in a couple minutes of how to specifically do that in people's lives. But this is what we have to see of what encouragement is all about. While all encouragement can be good, I guess any kind of encouragement can be good, Biblical encouragement is transformational. So I'm not trying to get you to just speak positive. I'm not trying to get you just to to talk kindly to each other. Though, hey, that is valuable. What is life-changing is when you biblically encourage someone, it will change their life for the good. It will get all over you. It will affect who you are. It may even require your name to be changed. We're going to talk about that tonight. Everybody can't see you for what you were. They see you for the encouragement and building up in Christ. It is possible in your life. So we saw the the why of encouragement and the, the, the what. But now I want to take a little bit of time for us to walk together through some of the hows of this. Quickly, six key ways to encourage one another. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. There's more than just this. And so uh, I'm not trying to 
discourage you if you found a way to encourage someone else that's not on this list. These are just broad categories that we can't miss, that we have to hang on to. And the first one is this. Well, before I get to number one, I just want to say this. Don't just think these good thoughts about someone. Have you ever found yourself and you just think about people in your life, your spouse, your kids, your parents, the friend, that leader, the acquaintance, someone at church, and you just go, they're a good guy. They're a good gal. I like being with them. I think something specific. Man, that, that was really cool about their life. And they don't say anything with it. Don't let it die with you. Let it have life. And, and here's how we do it. These six ways we can do that. First, speak it. You need to say it. A number of months ago, we talked about the very powerful concept of God the Creator speaks into existence. And when He speaks, things are created. And once it's created, He speaks again and calls it good. And when He calls it good, that creates something in us. And, and He invites us into that work. And, and so when we speak encouragement to someone else, we are creating life in them, pointing them to the author of all life. Proverbs 16.24 talks to us about this. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Not gracious thoughts, not gracious intentions, not just a gracious moment, but gracious words. Now, some things for us in looking at speaking this, we need to avoid shallow words. By that I mean this. I think a good definition for shallow words for us is if you've ever had a yearbook in school, junior high or high school, or uh, maybe not in college, but for sure junior high and high school, I think across generations, you know when that time-tested art of trading books and you all sign each other's books and and when you sign your name to their book i don't not sure why we do this but we do this and then then you have that little line of phrase right above your name and people say things to you they'll say don't change stay sweet have a good summer i voted for you for best hair these are all things that were written in my yearbook i looked at it i mean the last one's kind of funny (laughs) i had no idea i'd have no hair but i had hair then long i thought i was jesus it was down my back it was long We just say these broad things. Really, I guess, other than I voted for you for best hair or no hair, they all could apply to anybody in the whole book. In fact, I looked at some of my friends' books as I was signing theirs, and they said the same thing to that person that they said to me, and it it was just shallow words. I hope you don't get hit by a Mack truck today. I just kind of hope that you're doing okay. These are shallow words and have very little help for us. So we need to avoid that. We need to also eliminate the death words when we're speaking encouragement. Even when we're trying to be helpful, we can say these death words. For example, you will never be able to do that. Now, we have to sometimes make a choice. Am I going to encourage someone in in the Lord or am I going to be their critic? Am I going to encourage someone in the Lord or I'm going to be the hefty dose of reality they need to know that they can't do that? You know what? Imagine the people that gathered around Moses and said, you can't do that. We're going to look tonight at a group of three friends that got around Job and said, what is wrong with you? Obviously, you are messed up. Don't speak those death words to people. Another way we've got to be careful with our words when we're trying to be encouraging. Some death words is, is in the casual phrases we say that just cut to the core. Oh, you're so stupid. That's just like you. You're dumb. Or a backhanded way. I'm, I'm so proud of you. You did so good in the game. You did so good in the presentation. I can't believe that meal you cooked. You didn't screw it up like you usually do. 
Thank you, I think. I, I think, was that, a, was that encouraging or was it, are you wanting me to know that I usually mess up or that I kind of got it right? See, these, these death words that come in and, and our culture tells us how to do this and, and it just comes in, but we need to see, we need to speak them. Also, the, I told you so. Really, think about it. When you, when you say, I told you so, the person is obviously at a low moment and you have deemed it more important for you to say, hey, at this low moment in your life, you need to know how right I am and how wrong you are. This is like the definition of being discouraging, not encouraging. So eliminate those death words. It's the insults that we throw at each other. Watch out for them. We also need to embrace the life words. Now, I don't just mean being positive. Embrace the life words and speak where you see Jesus in them. Call it out. Tell them, I see this in you. You give life. And guess what? It's more than just a compliment. It's, it's encouraging building them up. To Christ. What are you talking about? Well, I, I see, Pastor Ryan, I see this in you. One of the things I love about you, Pastor Ryan, is you have a teachable spirit. You know a lot of things. You know a whole lot of things. You know a lot about language studies. I thought about asking you for help on the language study I was doing this week. You know a lot of things. But one of the things I love about you is no matter how much you've gained in wisdom and knowledge in school and prep, you have a teachable spirit. And that reminds me of the attitude of Jesus. And when I see that in you, that gives me great hope for not only what Jesus is doing in you, but it encourages me that Jesus wants us to be like him. I see that in you. Now, that's not a lie. That's truth. I'm, I'm speaking life words of what I see Jesus doing in his life. Mike? One of the things I love is right now I am seeing you grow and you have a hunger for the things of God. And there's some stuff that's just you and I am not going to share with everybody else. But you know the specifics. I am thrilled by how you are so excited to grow in Christ. And that smells a lot like Jesus to me. And I see that in you. And I have so much optimism for where Jesus is taking you because of the way you're responding to his leadership right now. That's true in Mike's life. And I'm I'm speaking life into someone and I'm encouraging someone, not because they're the best person in the world, but because they are they are tying into the best person in the world, Jesus. Well, we'll come back to that in a minute. Not only should we embrace words of life, but but do this privately and publicly. We can we can mess this up on either end of the spectrum. Sometimes we feel like some of us have grown up in a generation that if we say anything kind or loving to them, we feel like we're giving them a big head. They're going to get conceited. Knock that thinking off. That's silliness. We need freedom from that. God needs to break the chains of this from us. God help us. If we can't speak words of life to each other and encouragement to each other, who are we counting on doing that? So do it privately. Woe to the son or daughter who hears their dad brag on them on the sideline of the field or the sideline of the court and how wonderful they are, but never ever hears it at home when they're by themselves at the dinner table. Or how heavy is the heart of, of the child who hears mom or dad speak kind to them at home, but in public because they don't want them to get a big head. They don't say anything or they act bashful to them. Say it everywhere, private, public. Let it be consistent of what's going on in your life. Not just with your kids, with your spouse, with your friends, with other leaders. Tonight we're going to talk about encouraging somebody who discourages you back. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. I want to bless you. Mike, I want to bless you with, with what I see God doing in your life. And if I could turn around and go, yeah, I've just been wanting to tell you, Brady. Um, I think you've like messed up here and here and here. I'm trying to encourage you, man, and you're vomiting on me. Now, Mike would never do that, but that's going to happen, and we're going to talk about that tonight. But, but looking at speaking, the next, not only speak, we need to uh, 
Write it. Not just speak it. We need to write it. The New Testament epistles, think about it for a minute. They are letters of encouragement written to the church. How do we encourage people in the Lord? Write it down. Well, I'm not much of a writer, Brady. I'm just... Too bad. You have to write it. I don't care if you type it. I don't care if you text it. I don't care if you email it. I don't care if you use calligraphy. I don't care if it's spelled right. I don't care if it's in bullet points. Write it down. Why? It's deliberate. I have yet to receive a letter that was mailed to me, addressed to me, written to me, that the person didn't intend to do it. It just kind of, whoops, it happened. Now, I guess I've had like a blank text or a pocket phone call or something that wasn't intended. But when it's words of encouragement or discouragement for that matter, it's on purpose and they receive it that way. It's also definite. <laughs> it's, it's there. It's black and white. It's right there before you. You see exactly what is being said. Now, we know how damaging it is. Friends, if you're in a conflict with someone or there's a disagreement, don't email it. Don't text it. Don't solve a conflict that way. I would even say don't do it over the phone. Meet with the person face to face. That's a whole other sermon, but, but let's, let's just knock that off. That doesn't help anything. But the, the flip is just as true. When you're going to encourage someone, write it down, text it, email it to them, tell them in something that is concrete, it is definite, they, they can't get away from it. Some of us are so pressured by the world that we don't know what to do when we're being encouraged in the Lord. We have a hard time receiving it. Sometimes you encourage someone, they just they start freaking out. I don't know what to do. You're not yelling at me. You're being nice to me. What's going on? You don't even hear it. When it's written down, they go, oh. That's what he said about, about me. That's what she said about me. It's definite. It's also direct. Sometimes in, a, in an attempt of humility or sometimes it's insecurity or sometimes it's a genuine humility, we deflect it. And you give a word of encouragement to me to go, oh, it's not me. It's them. It's them. It's them. When it's sent to you, when it's texted to you, when it's emailed to you, when it's postmailed to you, it's direct. It's to you. You can't get out of it. You can't get it to anyone else. That person who says, I see this in you. And the final one is my favorite. It's durable. It lasts. I had a mentor tell me a long time ago that, Brady, you're going to have days when you just want to quit. I remember thinking, not me. Yes, me. You have days when you just want to quit on life. You want to quit on your job. You may want to quit on your family. And he said, Brady, get an encouragement file. So this is mine. It's in my desk. Not now. I pulled it out. But it says encouragement file. And on, in here are emails that I printed out are cards that's been given to me over the last 16 plus years of ministry. And I read them when I feel discouraged. And I read them, and you know what really makes the encouragement file? It's not the, you're the best thing in the world. It's the, God spoke to me through you. God did this because I, I, I look at my life, I look at the discouraging day and I go, God, I'm not a perfect human. I'm not the best pastor in the world. I may not be the best preacher in the world, but, but, you're using me. Help me in this current challenge. Would you help me? And it encourages me. It's durable. It stands the test of time. So this week I feel impressed. I'm going to take pictures of some of these and send them back to these people in other states and say, look what you started in my life. It's still happening. Be careful. You have no idea what you're doing when you just fired off that email of encouragement. It's stuck in there and I read it over and over and over again. Speak it. Write it. Show it. There's a ministry of presence. I don't know of many. I think he's not in this service. He's in first service. I don't know of anybody else in any of the places I've served who, who displays this as clearly as Pastor Rex. 
Pastor Rex has a great ability in ministry of presence. Sometimes when someone is going through a hard time, there's nothing else to say. There's nothing else to write. It's just being there with them. When you sit with them, when you stand with them, it's the presence. Psalm 34, 18, we see how God does this for us. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Just the very presence of God, knowing he's there, lifts my heart. And as we are being like Christ to each other, just being present with them lifts them up. This is biblical encouragement. It changes lives. We show it not just in ministry of presence. We show it in appropriate touch. Um, I'm so tired of our perverse world claiming things and making them evil. And we live in such a politically correct world, in a safe world, and we need to be safe with inappropriate touch, with sexual harassment, and all kinds of unwanted advancements and all these kind of things. I think there's a bunch of us who've got afraid of any kind of touch, any kind of touch at all. And so I'm just giving you a quick crash course on this, all right? If my wife was here, she's gone, but, but this, is, this beautiful flower is going to be my beautiful wife, okay? So if, if, if this is another woman, or ladies, if this is another man... We, we need to be taught how to give a hug to each other, okay? Now, if it's, if it's your wife, you, you hug her however you want to hug her. You do that, that's your business. But if it's another Christian woman, this is called the side hug. We come up here. We're just going to hug you on the side, all right? What I'm saying is this, this expression of love I'm giving to you, don't be confused. This is not an, a, a sensual attraction to you. This is a brother in the Lord. This is a a son in the Lord, a, a uncle in the Lord, saying, I want to affirm you. And there's something that happens when there is an appropriate touch in the form of encouragement. It is amazing. Now we go, oh, what do we do if someone takes it wrong? If you ever feel like someone's taking what you're trying to do an appropriate touch wrong, talk about your spouse. If you're not married, talk about your commitment to Jesus. It kills it. It kills it. I want all of you to know I'm the happiest married man in the world. I'm married way above my pay grade. I'm the luckiest guy in here. I am happy. So ladies, know it. And stay away from any other thought. If you're not married, say, I love Jesus. He has met all my needs. I am going to be faithful to Him no matter what. It just I, the, He is the one who meets all my needs. I don't need to go looking for something else. But don't give up on an appropriate touch. A hug. A high five. I don't know, maybe it can be a fist bump, whatever it helps. But, but some interaction that says, you are a person here on earth and I see you. When, when I walk up to someone and I say, Jim, I am blown away by the intellect that I see that God has put in you. It is scary. <laughs> and I stand in your office and I see the material that you have studied through and the material that you have written. It encourages me to see that when God says if we ask for wisdom, he gives it. And I see that in you. Wisdom coming out of you. That's real. I'm not making that up. I see that in Jim's life. But, but if I go to Jim and just say, hey Jim, you're a smart guy. And kind of like going in your office. You know, it's kind of, it, it loses something. But when, when we can appropriately give a touch to someone, there is power in that. We speak it. We write it. We show it. We also need to give it. We need to give it. Sometimes the best way to encourage somebody is to see a practical or physical need and give the help to that person. It was uh, a bunch of years ago. I was at uh, Nazarene Theological Seminary as a student, and I worked part-time in the mail center at Nazarene headquarters, and I was a youth pastor uh, part-time. And uh, what you need to know about the, the organizational chart of the Church of the Nazarene, the mail center guys and gals who work there are the lowest rung possible. 
If you want to know how low you can get, you're a male sinner person. I think it's the step right above hell or something. I don't know, but it's just, there's, there's the only people who had to punch in with a time card because those male sinner people cheat, you know, and so you have to punch in all this stuff. And everyone else had a dress code, not the male sinner people because we're invisible. No one even sees them. Let them wear jeans. Who knows, you know, and it just, it's just kind of that lowly position of the male sinner. It was an excellent way to start ministry. I love it. I'd recommend it to everyone. And I sorted my mail for the day. I put it in my mail card. And the way that place worked is they had three high-rise buildings at the time. And it was on a city block. And you had to go outside to carry the mail. And nobody really used email. I don't know why. They made my life easier if they just used email. So I'm delivering the mail. And, and I move outside. And it's, it's winter time. There's been a storm. There's a blizzard. There's ice everywhere. I hit a patch of ice. My mail cart tips over. All the work I had all morning of sorting the mail went all over the place. And as I fell on my back, looking up at the administration building, I saw the glass uh, all the way up the building, which you could see the stair well, and at the top of that building was a figure who was going up. He saw what took place. The figure came all the way down, came out. As I'm frantically picking up the mail that's blowing away and putting it in there, I see that it's Dr. Porter, one of our general superintendents, who's helping put the mail back in my car. Not only was I impressed because this is a high and mighty leader who came to help the lowly mail center guy do this kind of thing, I needed help. I didn't need him to say, you know what, son, I want to encourage you. Someday God's going to use you. Pick up the mail with me. Encourage me. Help me. It's, it's everywhere. And when we can give encouragement by looking for the need, we can also give encouragement by giving a gift. Brady, I don't have any money. I'm not rich. I don't have tons of money. What, what, what could I do? I, I can't do this. I want you to imagine with me how much... Financially, does a glass of iced tea cost? Tap water, that's pretty cheap. The amount of money it takes to freeze an ice cube or two, that's not too much. A tea bag, calculated by a whole pitcher and then 16 ounces of that. What is it, two or three cents? I don't know. If I'd walk up to you and say, hey, I'm thinking of you today. Here's three pennies. You know, what's that? But if I catch you after you've just mowed the lawn, after you've just done a long workout, and I say, here's a fresh glass of cold iced tea. It's now worth a ton. It's the timing and the thought of that gift. God can use us to be encouragement to someone, not because you're just loaded with cash. If you are, bless them with resources. But even more than the resources, it's the timing of how that was given that can bless people. You can encourage them by giving and looking for opportunities to give to them. Speak it. Write it. We need to show it. We need to give it and we need to pray it. Friends, we need to pray with people and pray encouragement. Don't just pray for them. Heaven help us, don't pray at them. Pray with them. If someone shares a prayer need, what if, what if this would be the policy at Grace Point? Before you're ever allowed to say, I will pray for you, meaning later, you had to pray for them then. Just stop. Well, I'm busy. I don't have much time. Then pray a short prayer. Pray right then. Pray with them. Enter in with them. You can give encouragement by talking to the one who has hope, to the one who doesn't feel hope. Pray with them. And then let that open a door to pray on your own. And if you're praying for them in your prayer journal, write it down. Show them later. Encourage them. But after you prayed for them. And then move to the next step. This is amazing. Pray with others for them. Now, we've got to be careful, Pat. We don't want to use this as gossip. Here's what a lot of people do. They go, ho, Man, do you know what's wrong with Robin? She's messed up. We need to pray for Robin. 
Everybody pray for Robin. She's got, no, that's not true. That's not, what, that's not going on in her life. But just, oh, we just need to pray for Robin. She's so messed up. And, and our prayer request becomes the gossip chain. But what if we'd say, hey, I've been praying for Robin. And I've been praying that she would know she is fearfully and wonderfully made. Would you pray with me? Why don't you pray that she will recognize that if God is for, no one can be against her. And would you join in with me and see that, that God has a plan for her beyond her wildest dreams? We begin to pray. We start this other thing happening. And Robin finds out, guess what? The encouragement grows and God works. So we're going to speak it. We're going to write it. We are going to make sure that we show it. We're going to give it. And we're going to pray it. And if you do these things, something else happens. You just start to be it. You start to live it. There it is. It just gets out on you and people begin to see this is who you are. We're going to talk tonight. This is what's going on in, in Barnabas' life. Now, I, I was going to take some time for us to see this in action, but I'm going to save that for tonight. We're going to do some role play together. We're going to look at, okay, that sounds good, Brady, but you're picking out people that's easy to encourage. What about Aunt Susie? What about my husband or my wife? What about uh, my boss? How in the world can you be an encouragement? We're going to look at difficult people and how to encourage them tonight. But these steps help us get at that. I want us to, as our conclusion today, to respond to God's word. I'm going to have Pastor Edgar come join me. And here's what's going to happen. In your bulletin, there is a postcard. Grab your bulletin and pull off that postcard. We can talk and talk and talk and talk about the power of encouragement. We can talk about all that stuff. But we just need to say on your marks, get set, encourage. Just do it. Get it out of your head and just start writing a note of encouragement. So in just a second, I'm going to give you a chance on a postcard to write. Now, we were having fun in the office just seeing the generational gaps. Some of us have forgotten how to write a postcard. Okay? So like on the left side of the line is where you write a message. On the right side is where you address it. And then the up top right is where the meter goes. So if you write your note of encouragement in the up top right, then it's going to get covered up by the meter. So don't do that. But if if you're not a postcard writing person, pull out your phone. In just a second, not, not yet, you're going to send a text. You're going to send an email to somebody. I want you to, on, on purpose, intentionally encourage them now. You have no idea if it's going to end up in their encouragement file. It may mess them up in a good way for the rest of their life. We're going to do that together. But as you're thinking about who that would be and what that person would be, I want you to see the power of encouragement. That's the last thought here in this outline. It is so powerful. The power of encouragement. When you give away encouragement... You start a ripple effect. You never know what will happen with that kind word, that written note, that warm touch that you give to the grieving, hurting person. You could start something that will never, ever end. I was thinking this week as my father gave me my name. My official name is Braden. Braden means spirited, wise one. He had to put on a plaque and put it over my bed and he told me every night when he put me to bed. Brady, I'm praying that God will make you a wise person. I remember as going through adolescence and getting older, he would say, Brady, God is answering my prayer for you. I see God's wisdom in you. <laughs> I just kind of felt kind of good about that. I wasn't that great at school. I'm not a great reader. But I, I felt I'm wise. Because someone who I trust has seen that in me and, and God, and he just wasn't making it up. When I would do something dumb, he'd help me walk through that. But he would, he would fan the flame of wisdom. He had no idea the ripple effect that would change my entire life but what he spoke to me. Mrs. Schmettlein was my fifth grade teacher. I was the worst reader in the class. I was the second to worst speller in the class. And she pulled me aside after the creating writing project and she said, Brady, 
you are the most creative student I've ever had. I looked at her and I thought, I am? You're, a, you're like an English type teacher. I, usually you guys hate me. This is, this is, I'm the most creative. And I just, I just saw that flame just fueled and fed and it began to grow and it, it became in my life and, the, and it was a passion. It stuck with me forever in my life. I had a seventh grade science teacher. He was an atheist. He didn't believe in Jesus. I started a Bible study in the uh, middle school and he was the first one to try to get me kicked out. But, but he saw something in me. He said, Brady, you can do anything that you want to do. I see potential in you. And I said, well, I think God wants me to be a preacher. He says, I don't believe in God. He says, but I think you could be the best one of those preacher guys there are. He spoke into me. There was encouragement to me. Now, before you think, well, Brady, you just had an amazing life. I had people say dumb things to me. I had a professor at Olivet after class pulled me aside to let him remain nameless. You know who he is. Maybe after I may get weak and tell you who it is if you come up and ask me individually. But I'm not about to put it on the recording. Because <laughs> he may call me up again. This professor brought me aside. He says, Brady, I, just, I feel like I need to let you know. I, uh, I don't think you're going to make it in ministry. You don't have the talent to do this. I just don't think you're going to make it. I remember sitting there feeling sunk. Well, don't feel bad for me. You've had a bunch of people say that to you. In fact, tonight we're going to look at three friends of Job who filled his ear with all kinds of that junk. You're going to have that all over the place. But you know what? In that same year, God brought a professor, David Wine, who said, Brady, I see in you potential, and I see God creating a leader for our entire denomination in you. Two professors see two different things. Something is going on. Encouragers see potential where others see problems. When no one wanted anything to do with Paul, Barnabas stood up, for him, stood up with him, and he believed in him. We're going to look at his story tonight. But it's time to stop thinking about it, letting it rattle around in our brain, and just start to do it. So, right now, you've got a postcard. You may be thinking of a name. It's like totally kosher. Pull out your phone. You're going to text. You're going to email someone. You're going to post on Facebook to someone. You may want to do it publicly if it's appropriate, as well as private. But over the next few seconds, I want you to join with me And let's encourage someone in the Lord. More than just, you know, hey, have a good summer. Hope you don't get hit by a truck. But speak the words of life to them. Let's do that. Let's do that together. If you're still writing or texting, you keep doing that. Don't listen to me. You just keep writing or texting. If you finish that, here's what I want you to do. You can take this home and mail it yourself. If you have the name and the address, we'll mail it for you. There's a place you can put it there at the information table, or you can just come give it to me. We'll mail it for you. We have to have the address. You put that on there. You take it. There's some of us in this room, for one reason or another, we couldn't think of anything. We just drew a mental blank. Or we're kind of resistant to it for one reason or another. It's my prayer that before you get too far in this day, that you will stop and you will intentionally. This doesn't just happen. You don't accidentally just become an encouraging person. If you you don't work at this, 
you will be discouraging. But friends, it's time for you and I to recognize, we don't have to pick them up, they're already there. You're carrying gas, you're carrying water everywhere you go. What you do with it is going to change someone's life. And I believe that God is calling us to build each other up for His sake by fanning the flame where encouragement is starting to take hold. To smothering and starving out the flame of discouragement that Satan is planting. Father, I pray that you would bless my friends as they text, as they type, as they write. May they get a taste in their mouth of what Barnabas was all about. Lord, I pray that whether we're able to come back tonight or we study later on our own the powerful scriptural examples of being an encourager, I pray that we will begin to start some ripples today that will have impact for all of eternity. Thank you, Jesus, for setting an example for us. That while we were yet sinners, you came running after us. You saw potential in us. You had love for us. And you poured it out all over us. Out of response to that, would you help us to pass on your love and truth to everyone around us. In your name I pray. Amen. As you take off today, I challenge you, look for ways to encourage. Join us tonight at 6 o'clock. Some of us need to know how to handle people who are very discouraging in our life or very hard to encourage. Others, someone here didn't write on the postcard because you go, I'm so depressed, I'm so discouraged, I can't encourage anybody. We're going to talk tonight about how to be encouraged and encourage yourself in the Lord. But whatever you do, go and make sure that you don't do what we had on the video, the pour gas on a real fire, but recognize that you are igniting somebody. God bless you. You're dismissed.